fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Hey everyone, this is NFL linebacker Avery Williamson, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, welcome to episode 333 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Trace, trace, trace. Right? No. Oh, what I well, if you're doing individual numbers, but that's not how you say 333. Oh. Hey, guys. <laughs> you might not learn a lot of Spanish on this show, but you'll learn what's not Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We want to start off thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for everything that you say and do to keep us safe. Bless you guys. We pray for you all the time, and we want you all to come home so you can be with your families. And just thank you, thank you for having our backs and keeping us safe all this time. We love you. All right, Tracy, important as always, we want to make sure that people realize that depression is a very, very serious uh, illness that people have, especially this time of year. And, you know, unfortunately, the suicide rates go up around the holidays. Mm-hmm. And you, you hate that, that it ever goes up. But, you know, it's just it just goes to show how hard it is on people this time of the year. Yeah. So we just want to make sure that people know that there are options out there for you. We have our group, which, like I said, it's a private group. It's a safe place. And you got tons of support in there, no matter what your situation is. We just want you to know that that's there for you. Please utilize it. Yeah, this group we are so proud of and so blessed to be a part of. And we thank you all so much. And other options, Tracy, is what? You can also call 988. That is the new number crisis support yes, number for so crisis it doesn't support. have to be suicidal just correct if you're just having a, a, a little mini breakdown at the moment for mm-hmm. whatever reason and you can also text 741-741 there's always somebody there that will listen and help you out as much as they possibly can tracy i want to mention something and i don't want it to come across the wrong way so i'm trying to think of the wording that i want to do this we we tell people all the time to contact us mm-hmm and that is not an issue. It will never be an issue. Never. But sometimes if we're talking to somebody and we realize that maybe the issue is above our pay grade, so to speak, you know, we are not experts by any means. We will lend an ear and we will talk to you and we will give you some advice. But there are sometimes when we're talking to someone that we realize that they need more professional help than what we could do. True. And so if we ever tell you, hey, I'll talk to you, 
but I don't know if I can help you as much as somebody who's trained to, to do, do this. So. All right, correct. We don't want you to take that as a blow off or that we just don't want to talk to you. That's not the case. No, never. You know, we, we want what's best for you. And if that's somebody else talking to you, you know, that's, you know, sometimes that's the best option. Mm -hmm. So I just want people to realize that if we ever tell you that you may need to talk to somebody that that's a little better trained at this or professionally trained at this, um, it's not any way, shape or form to try to get rid of you off the phone or off of uh, the text or whatever. It's just that we care about you and we want to make sure you get the proper help. Yeah, of course. But, you know, we'll be glad to listen to you guys and do the best we can. But just always remember that we love you and we all want what's best for you. Right. For sure. Number I, one. I've just had somebody recently that I, I, even though they didn't completely say it, I kind of felt like they felt like that when I said, maybe you need some else that they thought we, I just didn't want to talk to them. And that wasn't the case oh, at all. Oh, no. Uh -uh. And, and, you know, and I've continued to talk to them since then. So I think they realized now that yeah. wasn't what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I want to make sure people know that going into it. Right, right. You know, of course. Some people's situations are are just way different than other people's mm -hmm, situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we said, we just want what, you know, what the best thing for you guys to, to do. And we'll help you as much as we can. All right, Tracy. Ever so often, we put out a show that is a mixed bag of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we may have done this maybe two or three times before in the past. Not very often. But tonight's going to be one of those shows instead of a, a deep dive on a particular location like Waverly Hills or something like that, or a city, like sometimes like when we did haunted London and we put together several stories that just fell under the headline of, you know, London stories, they at least had that connection, but we're going to do some stories tonight that are just three completely separate stories. They're just unexplained. It's the best way I can. Okay. Yay. I can term it. Unexplained. Good. I like those. But they don't have a connection to each other or they're not in the same location. So. Okay. I guess technically they, uh, they're, they're all unexplained. So that would be. The, <laughs> well, kind that of. That would yeah. be it. But you know what I'm saying. All right. A little bit of everything today. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. And if you guys were at the live book signing yesterday, you'll have already heard this because you got a treat and we did this early for you. Mm-hmm. So. And thanks for everybody who came out. And thanks for Butcher Cabin Books for having us. That place was extremely small. And we had about 21 people in there at one point all crammed in there listening to us, sitting on the floor. I know. That was cool, right? Up. That was really cool. And it's a really cool bookstore. So if you live in oh, Louisville, yeah. check it out. If you like horror books, they've got it separated in there by, by genre. Mm -hmm. But I thought horror was just like the genre. But oh, they yeah. They have it split into others. And we even picked up a... Uh, Copy. I know she's not listening, but we even picked up a copy of uh, my favorite author, David Domine, who did all of our uh, haunted old Louisville books. He's got his new book out about the murder mansion up mm -hmm. in Louisville. And uh, we're going to get David on soon. He says it's probably going to be after January because he's doing a lot of traveling right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's got big things happening for that book. We, we know that um, he can't talk about it, but we can talk a little bit about it. We know that it's been picked up by a major network for a documentary that's being done and all this stuff, but it's probably going to be a year and a half where it comes out. So he can't talk about it yet, but well, good for big him. things are happening for that. And he's, he's an awesome guy. So mm -hmm. Very he's nice. been on the show before and we'll get him back on again, but we picked up an autographed copy of that uh, book for uh, somebody for Christmas. And I'm um, kind of excited about it, but anyways, cool bookstore. Go check it out if you're in Louisville. All right. Tracy, 
Are you ready for our first story? Sure. Let's start with one that is more traditional paranormal. Okay. The other two won't be as traditional, but very cool. So we're going to Camden, New Jersey for this one. New Jersey. I knew it was coming. <laughs> to be exact, 522 North 5th Street in, in Camden, New Jersey. Now, this area of Camden was once a neighborhood for the area's well-to-do, we'll say, in the 1920s. But by the 1950s, most of the houses were kind of run down, oh. and uh, it, it was more of a, a poor side of town. Well, that's sad. This house was no exception, but it did have a beautiful spiral wooden staircase that had been handcrafted. Oh, so I bet that was in, pretty. It was like the focal point. It was, was like drawn to up it. in your face. <laughs> <laughs> the stairway it led from the ground floor up to the second floor, and then it kind of split into two more flights of regular stairs. The rest of the house was extremely dusty and needed some work, though. And we're talking back in the 50s. So in the 1950s, the Martin family moved into this large house. The family consisted of the parents and their two daughters, who were both in their 20s. Mm -hmm. One of the daughters, Edna, she worked at a local radio station. And the other sister was Janet. I'm not sure if she worked anywhere or not. Maybe okay. she might have been going to school. Not sure. After moving in, Edna started to notice some strange things about the house. She started to notice some strange sounds like the rustling of a silk dress, but she could never uh, discover where that sound was coming from. Like the sound my legs make when I'm wearing britches? Um, I'm just going to say completely off of that. But yes, I would say that's a similar sound that you just <laughs> imitated. I will stay off of the other part. Probably a good deal. <laughs> On one particular occasion, she was home by herself. She heard someone walk up the stairs and into the middle bedroom. This was followed by a deep sigh. Perfect. Thinking somebody was in the house, she walked into that bedroom. Right before entering the bedroom, she heard the distinct sound of bed springs as if someone had just laid down on the bed. Well, you can tell that's a good bed if it's got bed springs. Yeah. That's, that's the a, best kind of bed. Yeah. But when she got into the room, there was no sign that anyone had been there. She even checked the bedspread and there were no signs of imprints. Oh, You know, okay. I, don't think, I, don't, I wonder when they invented box springs. I don't know. I don't know. Because like you said, most beds, the old, old beds, they just had springs mm -hmm. and you put a mattress right on top of it. Yeah. And I think they're more comfortable. To go oh, I do too. Bed. I do too. Anyways. She goes in the room, like I said, there's no sign of anybody there. She then heard the sound of that rustling of clothing, and she sensed that someone was in the room with her. A short time after this, her sister Janet was lying in bed one night. She heard what appeared to be a small child's footsteps coming up the stairs, walk down the main hallway. She could even hear the floorboards creaking. Then she heard... The footsteps enter her bedroom. Oh, but did she see anybody? She didn't. She was petrified, though. I'll bet. She couldn't move, and she said the footsteps stopped right next to her bed. So it followed her all, all the, way. the way in into the bed. Yeah, that's a little scary. She could feel the presence of someone staring down at her. She was able to discard this eventually, though, and fell back asleep. 
Well, I don't, I don't know that how, I could. Oh, I don't think I could either. I Dang. think she probably put it off as maybe a dream or maybe she was happy. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating. Now, all was quiet in the home for the next couple of weeks. Janet had almost forgotten about the incident when she came home one evening and she got undressed in the middle bedroom. That was her room. Okay. The middle bedroom. It was dark and she took off her clothes and she threw it on the bed. She suddenly, though, heard a sigh and heard somebody turn over as if they were irritated that someone had woke them up while they were sleeping. (laughs) Well, Janet assumed that it was her niece sleeping over, as she would sometimes do. So she moved the clothes off of the bed and she went into a spare bedroom to sleep. And why didn't she ever turn the light on? Well, she already just... It was her bedroom. I guess she figured she could get undressed in her own room without having to worry about turning the lights on. Well, I guess so. If you're just going to hop right into bed, you wouldn't need to. Anyway, she wakes up the next morning, and she's surprised to not find her niece at the breakfast table. And when she asked her mom where her niece was, she was told that she hadn't seen her niece in weeks. Oh. So Janet thought, well, who was that in the bed last night that let out that deep sigh? Janet and Edna now had both had experiences with the sign ghost. You know, and that's so weird because a lot of times when I'm in the bed, I feel like somebody's like on the bed, like I just got on the bed or something. And I always think it's Freddie and I'll, I will, I'll raise up every single time and nobody's there. That happens a lot. Hmm. And isn't that weird? Maybe it's a big rat. Oh, don't even say that. <laughs> I'll let you know where my new address is, okay? (laughs) You don't have to. Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) Dog. One evening, Janet had a friend over by the name of Joanne. Now, Joanne was in the front bedroom. She was typing, doing some homework or something, while Janet was lying on the bed on her stomach. Now, at this time of the the incident we're going to discuss, Joanne had her back to Janet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So picture she's sitting at a desk or something. Right. And Do then not. behind mm-hmm. her is the bed. Okay. At this moment, Janet felt something hit her so hard on the sole of her shoe that she jerked. And the noise was so loud that Joanne heard it and she quickly turned around as Janet was jumping up out of bed. Oh. Janet ran to the window immediately, and when Joanne asked what had made that noise, pretty much all Janet could do was just look at her and and shrug her shoulders. She had no clue. On another occasion, the two sisters and Joanne, all three of them, were sitting on a bed when a strange green light appeared in some sort of a human form. He said it was at the foot of the bed. Joanne screamed. She was a seeing this apparition, but she was apparently the only one of the three that could see it. Oh, dang. Well, it would been nice if they could all have seen it. Yeah. But it wouldn't stop there. Edna had a fiancé. He lived in Trenton, New Jersey. He would usually take the bus back and forth to her house. Well, one night he missed his late night bus. So he decided he was going to wait downstairs for the next bus. As he sat on the sofa, he was... Just kind of sitting there smoking a cigarette, they said. And he heard the front door open. Well, the front door was one of these super big heavy doors. Mm -hmm. So there was no mistaking the sound of when it opened. Yeah. 
But he said it was one of those doors that was locked and you could only open it from the outside with a key. All right. So nobody, everybody that could have opened the door was already in the house. Oh. Asleep. He said once he heard the door open, it became icy cold in there. He said his hairs stood on end as if there was an electrical charge in the room. He then heard a bell start ringing. But here's the thing. That bell was enclosed in a glass cabinet in the corner. And it was not out of the cabinet. It was ringing from within inside the cabinet. Well, it's one of it, those bells you have to be pick up and yeah, jingling. You know, jingle with your hand. So just sitting there, it wouldn't have been making a bell sound. He decided to wait outside for the next bus. <laughs> Probably a smart decision. Probably so. That same night, Edna was actually awoken by the clanging on some pipes downstairs. She assumed it was her fiance. She knew he had been downstairs. And he liked to play jokes like that and play tricks on her. So she assumed it was him. So she runs downstairs, but he wasn't there. He had already caught his bus. The clanging stopped as soon as she got downstairs. She later told him about it, about the pipe, and then he told her about the ringing bell. Oh, he did tell her. Yes. Oh, well, so now they're both kind of trying to figure out what's going on. So at this point, so if we're keeping track at home, Edna, her sister Janet, Joanne, and Edna's fiance have all had some kind of experiences. A few months later, Joanne was actually downstairs in the basement going through some old clothes that were left there by some previous tenants. It's amazing to me that tenants and stuff leave stuff behind and the current people don't throw it away. Well, might be something they can use. She felt a strange sensation, and she said her hair stood on end. She actually lifted her hand and touched her hair, and it was stiff and raised at the same time. She would save you on hairspray. That's what I'm thinking. You know, you'd probably be better than uh, some expensive product you have to buy to do that. She had a tingling sensation throughout her entire body. She then noticed that she was holding a particular dress. She dropped the dress as she felt someone staring at her. She slowly turned around and saw a whirlpool of smoke spinning around. The figure was that of a person, but there were two black holes where the eyes should have been. As she stared at the figure, it slowly started to come towards her. Joanne couldn't breathe. She said it was as if whatever this figment was, was pulling the air from her lungs. She was so fearful of being trapped in that room that she slowly made her way towards the stairs and she crawled her way back up to the first floor. Dang. <laughs> Why didn't she run? I don't know. I guess she figured if she ran, it would just chase her. She Maybe she thought she could fool it by sneaking over there. I don't mm. know. That's probably what I'd done. I ain't down for that running crap. <laughs> After moving out, the house sat empty for a while. Edna decided to revisit the house in 1967 with a co-worker who was also a psychic. Hmm. So they all just, after that incident, that's when they all moved? I don't know what caused or? them to move out. I just, mm-hmm. it just The story just kind of jumped ahead. Okay. The co-worker had only been in the house for a short time when she saw a woman on the stairs. She said there was also a little boy there, which would make sense if you heard the wrestling of a dress, but you also heard the little footsteps Mm -hmm. that the one sister heard. She said the mother had fallen to her death on those stairs, according to the psychic. Stairs are a bitch, man. I hate them. (laughs) The psychic also claimed 
that the woman only wanted to be amongst the living and she had was was looking for some sympathy. Aww. She told the spirit to move on and then they both heard the rustling of a dress. The house was eventually demolished. Oh, golly, they yeah. demolished it? Yeah, well, I mean, it was kind of in shambles anyway. Aww. Do you remember it was vacant and in need of work when they moved into it? In the 50s, now we're talking 1967. So. Right. So did the little boy go with her? I don't have no idea. What you got is what I what I know. Mm-hmm. All right, Tracy. So we've done several reincarnation stories on here. Some of my favorite are the reincarnation stories. Oh, mine too. I love them. I found another one. That will blow your mind. I was actually thinking about just kind of doing a, another episode soon on nothing but reincarnation stories. And we probably will. But I thought this one was a little bit of enough of a different story to include it on this episode. Sounds great. So I'll start off by saying the identity of the parents have not been revealed because they were a professional couple. Actually, scientists. They were both scientists. And uh, the father was a well-known author back in the 1970s. And the family, uh, they actually traveled, him and his wife, traveled around the country to do seminars. That's cool. On a regular basis. So that'll all come into play in the story. Anyway, they had a son that they named Michael. The baby took a strong liking to his father's Rolex watch. He was very persistent in his efforts to reach for this watch. He was always reaching for it, and if his dad took it off, he was always wanting to hold it. Mm-hmm. Then, when young Michael first started to put some words together, he pointed to the watch and said, mine. <laughs> Which, Smart little kid. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want to relax? Then, as his parents would call him Michael, as that was his name, he would point to himself and say, I'm not Michael. I'm Sonny. Eventually, they started to call him Sonny. It's got a, a whole Robert the Doll type vibe to mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. As the months went on and his vocabulary started to grow, he said to his parents, me, Sonny Ray. His mother thought he was just kind of putting words together and trying to form sentences, and she assumed that he was trying to say Sunray. That would make sense. Oh, well, that's true. Or maybe that he had an imaginary friend or something. Yeah. Well, she started calling him her little Sunray, regardless. But things would only get stranger from there. He told his parents that he had a wife. Oh. Her name was Dawn, and they lived in Texas together. Mm, he's a player. <laughs> One day in the car... The dad was changing the radio stations, and they only listened to, at home and in the car, they only listened to classical music. But on this day, the the radio station, for some reason, stopped on uh, a country music station. Yeah. To his parents' amazement, little Michael started singing along. He not only knew the song, but he knew all the words to a song and a genre of music he had never listened to before. Country music has that effect on you. Uh, yeah, it has that effect where it makes two hours seem like about 24 hours. Hater. On a different occasion, he and his mother were looking at a book with dog pictures. He pointed to one of them, which was a white spaniel, and said, that's my dog, Willie. And all this up to now can be just uh, coincidental. Yeah. Or whatever. You, you wouldn't expect 
anybody to, to to think, oh, that's a little weird, but they wouldn't suspect like a previous life or anything like that. No, they wouldn't, but it's kind of funny that he's like naming the, you know, his wife and his dog and all that stuff. Michael's parents wondered why he was making these strange comments and claimed, but like I said, they didn't think about anything other than, hey, that's what kids do. Mm-hmm. These comments kept coming up over the years, but there was a bombshell that would change everything when Michael, a.k.a. Sonny, was just seven years old. What? Well, the parents were doing a seminar in Texas. And lo and behold, one of the people attending the seminar was a woman by the name of Don Ray. No way. During the break, Michael's father took the opportunity to talk to Don. He asked her if she was married. And she said that she had been widowed for eight years. Now, keep in mind, in most of these stories of reincarnation, there is usually only about a year gap between the time that someone dies and someone is supposedly reincarnated, which is just enough time to be basically the gestation period of birth. So I wonder, though, if his dad, that hit him automatically, like, wait, eight years ago? You know what I'm saying? If well, he kinda... I'm, I'm sure he did, but if he didn't, he would after the next question. He said... Hey, what was your husband's name, if you don't mind me asking? And she replied, Sonny. Oh, good grief. So they asked her if they could discuss something with her very important after the seminar. They're like, you're not going to believe this. You're going to think we're kooks. You're going to think we're crazy. But something, seeing your name brought all this together for us. How exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So... They told her they had a son that had been married to a Don Ray from Texas in a previous life. At least that's what he's been saying. So they asked her another question. Did they own a white spaniel dog? And she said, yes, that was Willie. She said that dog and Sonny were practically inseparable. After this, Don really wanted to meet Michael. And the parents wanted, wanted them two to meet also. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. So they call and they make arrangements for Michael to fly down to Texas to meet the two of them. Now, they don't tell Michael what this is about. Okay, what they're doing. Okay. So they set this up. Michael shows up two days later. His parents pick him up at the airport and they drive straight to Don Ray's house. Don, when she opens the door, still skeptical. Oh, wait. And how old is he now? Seven. Seven, Okay. So Don, Don's really skeptical. She opens the door. Michael excitedly calls out, Don! And he runs up to her, runs straight into her arms. Oh. And gives her a kiss on the cheek. Oh, my gosh. Then they all sit down in the, in the living room. Now, Don Ray couldn't believe what had just happened, but she was still skeptical because they could have told her, hey, this woman we're going to meet Don. They don't, she don't know what's happened in the car ride at the airport or what they've told him. So anything that's happened right now, she has no proof that any of this stuff is true. Is Willie still alive? I don't know. Oh. I never heard. I didn't see any other mention of Willie after that. She didn't say he was dead. She said they had a dog. So Mm -hmm. anyways, she then asked Michael if he was familiar with this house. Michael said, He didn't recognize this house at all. Now, this actually made sense because 
Don had moved into this house after Sonny's death, so he wouldn't have recognized it. But that also still didn't prove anything. I guess she was just wanting to see what he would say, and okay, there we go. But then Michael had a question. He asked Don if she had kept his guitar. Ah. After a look of astonishment, she went to a cabinet and she pulled out his guitar. She handed it to Michael. Now, Michael held the guitar in a way that showed that he was familiar with the instrument. Mm -hmm. Even though the guitar was way too big, he was able to strum it and he sang a well-known folk song. And he played the song properly. He struggled with it a little bit because his hands were so small. Oh, so, well, yeah. But he knew chords and he knew how to strum the song. How amazing the is this? This is awesome. This amazed his parents as well because he had never even held a guitar before that day. Oh, my gosh. And he had never heard that song before. Michael, now referring to Mrs. Ray's Dawn, had another question. He asked if she kept his watch. She left the room. She came back with a box. And in that box was a Rolex watch identical to the Rolex watch that his father had. Dude, I'm surprised she still had that and didn't sell it. Well, I don't know what her financial situation was. Well, I mean, I know. And it's memories, of course. I get that. Now, more questions. Michael asked for his camera. Now, she's still skeptical. She's How still, can she be skeptical? Well, I, I don't know, but she was. So she asked him this time, I'll go get the camera, but I need you to describe the camera. And then Don left the room and she came back to the room with a camera that perfectly fit the description that Michael had given her. Then he asked about his pipe that he once again described perfectly. All right, so here's the twist to the story. Most of the time, in these situations, the kid just goes back with the parents and it's done, you know. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, but it is what it is. Not in this situation, though. I've never seen another reincarnation story that had this kind of an outcome. Dawn Ray sold her house in Texas and moved in with Michael's family in California. No way! She, in a sense, became his nanny, and she watched him anytime the parents were out of town for work on these seminars, which was quite often. But it takes a stranger twist. When Michael was 14, Don Ray moved to New York. But Michael's parents allowed him to move with Don to New York. And they still live together today. No way. Okay, that is kind of awkward. Because, you know, you, they used to have sexual relations before all that. And now it's like. Mother, daughter. I mean, mother, son. Now it's like a 14-year-old boy. Well, in these days, that ain't even weird. <laughs> but, they're not, but they're not related. That's, I know. But it's still taboo. Oh, my gosh. This story makes my dang heart so happy. But do you think you could just give your kid up like that? Well, no, I don't. I, I don't think I could do that, but. They were so convinced that he was more hers than his. Well, yeah. Or than theirs, I should say. Yeah, I could see that. Now, I'll tell you some. I did some research. I tried to find out who this was. And it's really skeptical. I mean, I, it's not really skeptical. It's just really vague on when the time period was and all this. Oh, my gosh. I would so love to meet these people. I'll tell you how the story got out. And and it's this is going to sound like 
Well, that's not really much information, but I really don't have. From my understanding, how this story got out was there was an author who knew another author that told him the story. He was friends with the parents. Oh, okay. And he basically said, you want to know a story that'll blow your mind? Let me tell you what uh, about reincarnation. Let me tell you about this story. Oh, wow. So it was a friend of a friend type deal. Yeah. So, but he said, but the, but the parents didn't want their names out because they're because I mean, of their I understand that. Of course. And they sound then. like they were uh, pretty wealthy on top of that. Yeah. Like having believe- a, Rolo- a Rolox, a Rolex and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I believe so. So, I don't know. It was just one of those situations where, like I said, you, it was, you know, this author told another author. Because he was, t- so it's one of those stories. That's- Man, well, I'm glad they do- I, They told that because that story is awesome. So. I just can't even, I cannot even imagine how their minds or, or emotions felt going through that, knowing all this stuff. And he could prove it on top of everything else. On top of everything else. <sighs> I don't know how, there's so many of these stories out there about reincarnation. And some of them have some really good proof, like mm-hmm. the, the little boy over in India that the doctor actually took him over and they pointed the where he was buried yes, in the axe uh-huh. wound and then pointed out who killed him. And then the guy was, I don't know when there's that kind of proof out there, how people can say, oh, well, this couldn't have happened. Oh, there's no way. But. Especially when they're little kids like that. And little kids wouldn't normally know that stuff. I mean, they can't just. No, and, it, and that's almost always the cases, little kids. You get you get some other cases where they're a little bit older, but they say most of these kids, it, it happens before they're seven years old. And once they start getting seven, eight years old, these memories fade away. Fade away. And they're, uh-huh. they're done, so. Wow. Very cool. All right, so and I, I didn't say this beforehand, but we don't have an interview tonight. So once we finish here, we're finished. Oh. But I got cool stuff working for next week. Oh, good, good. We met. Let me tell you about this. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you in a minute. Let's take a quick sponsor break, and then we come back, and I'll tell you this last story we got. Okay. All right, Tracy. So we've got this last story, but we met somebody at our book signing. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, we were actually friends on Facebook for years, and <laughs> didn't I didn't even realize know it. it. We were like, hey, uh, this guy's fantastic. And and we were friends on Facebook, and it, I wish him a happy birthday back in 2019. <laughs> and, but we have never talked. But this guy is an artist. He's done, like, album covers. He's done, you name it. He's done movie posters and, and all this stuff. But then we started talking. That was originally what we talked about, was the fact that he did... Uh, you know, horror stuff for the movies and album covers and stuff. That was cool enough. Then we start finding out he used to correspond through the mail with John Wayne Gacy and and the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. He's got pictures that Richard Ramirez drew for him. And he's got letters from Richard Ramirez and he's got letters from John Wayne Gacy. How That is bizarre. But he's going to come on. We're going to, we're going to set something up for next week. I was talking to him Oh, good. Today. Yeah, he's really nice. We're going to set something really nice. up for next week. Good. And he's going to tell us all the story behind that and his oh, artwork yeah. and you name he's it. He's very interesting, he's for very sure. He's very interesting. Very so, cool. Anyway, can't can't wait to have him on there. All right, let's get into this last story for tonight. How about a ghostly warning? We like those, right? Oh, uh, Yeah. So Especially often, if it's for the good. Yeah. We often hear about someone being saved by an angel or another type of a spirit or, or of some kind, right? And that may have been the case in this instance. May 12, 1991, on a quiet road in Australia, it's 1.15 a.m. Good day, mate. <laughs> God, we've got a New Jersey and an Australia. I know. Reference. I'm on fire. <laughs> 
Tom Ridley, he was in his car, he was driving home, and he felt himself getting kind of drowsy. We've all been there. So he started driving a little bit faster so he could get home sooner. He didn't want to fall asleep at the wheel. Mm -hmm. And he felt pretty comfortable doing this because he knew the, the area and the road very well. As Tom was speeding along, something up ahead on the side of the road caught his attention. It was a man waving his arms frantically. You can't see it right now, but Tracy's waving her arms frantically. <laughs> he slowed down to take a look at this guy. He said something was completely off. He looked somewhat transparent. Mm-hmm. He said it was as if the man was warning him to slow down. So Tom did that. He kind of slowed down. And as he passed the man, he's, he's kind of looked in his rearview mirror and his side mirror, and he could still see the man back there waving his arms. Well, at this point, he's coming up to the top of a hill. And just as he comes over the top, he sees a slew of flashing lights. Oh, there apparently had been an accident with a few cop cars there. Mm -hmm. No ambulance was in sight, but he could hear them off in the distance. Oh, so, this, so they hadn't just hadn't this, gotten yeah, there yet. Yeah, this accident has just happened, and the police have gotten there and just figured it out. Tom noticed that the wreck looked like it was pretty bad. Hmm. And he was wondering if anybody made it out or if there yeah. was any serious injuries, what the case was. He got home, and that's all he could think about. He, he couldn't sleep. All he could think about was the man waving his arms back and forth. And if he hadn't slowed down, he would have probably ran right in the back of the wrecked vehicles and the police cars. And he may have even killed one of the police officers that was out of the vehicles. A few days later, he picks up the newspaper and there was a story about the deadly wreck. Two men apparently had died in the wreck. But there was a photograph of one of the men. His name was Brian Johnston. He had been killed at 1 a.m. that morning. Tom thought to himself, man, that man looks familiar. Where do I know him from? Couldn't quite place it. But then it dawned on him. That was the man that he saw frantically waving oh, his hands I was trying to warn on him. the side of the road. The thing was... It was 15 minutes after the man had died. Oh, my gosh. What an angel. That's an so, angel. That's our three stories tonight of unexplained events. Wow. They were great stories. I loved them. I liked them. I thought they were pretty Yeah, cool. I did, too. So, what do you got going on over there? All righty. Uh, for iTunes this week, we have Mojo Lobster. Wilson Fisk, 1605, JNS, and BB Unicorn. You guys are so awesome with the reviews, and we can't thank you enough because without you, we're nothing. And so we appreciate that you take the time out to do that. And our Patreon this week is Kyle and Charlotte. Thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate everything you guys do. Yes, we absolutely do. Thank you so much. So, Tracy, I guess that wraps it up for us. Uh, I'll, I'll mention once again, we've got all of our live events. I'm getting ready, hopefully, tomorrow to announce a new one. Good. Uh, you guys will like this. This is this is in the Ohio area, but it's, it's in a haunted location. Mm -hmm. And it's with two shows that we have never 
did a live event with I us. I know. We're very excited about this. So I'm supposed to find out from the owner of the location tomorrow if we can get stuff worked out. Uh, if not, we're probably still going to do a show in the Ohio area with those two shows, but I really want to do it at this location. It's a location that's very well known, mm-hmm. and we've never been to it before. Yes. So I hope you guys are having fun getting your Christmas shopping done, and I hope you all have a blessed week. We love you all so, so much. Absolutely. Thank all of you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.